Welcome to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist podcast. In this episode, you'll hear Director of Education and Training, Andy Yanoni, in conversation with new Executive Director, Kelly Tweedale. This episode was recorded on Sunday, January 26th, 2020, before a performance of Christopher Wielden's Cinderella. Hope you enjoy. Good afternoon, everyone. Come on in. Welcome to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist interview series. Thanks for joining us today. My name is Andy Yanoni, and I'm the Director of Education and Training here. I'm so thrilled to introduce you to our new Executive Director, Kelly Tweedale, as my guest. Thank you. Before we get started, I want to remind everyone that these interviews are recorded for podcasts and are available on your favorite app. And also, please check out our website as we have a whole host of adult education and audience engagement initiatives just for you, including ballet classes. So, Kelly, you began your tenure as executive director just after Labor Day. So this is month five, and I'm just very excited to introduce you to our audience. Before we talk about your career, Um, and your aspirations as a leader along with artistic director Helgi Thomason for San Francisco Ballet, I want to ask you, when you first saw the company, what were your first impressions? Well, um, I was interviewing for the job, and um, they put you through uh, all kinds of questioning. Uh, But the one thing that they didn't do is... uh, take me to the ballet. So I uh, requested that I had a ticket, and I actually saw the company for the first time um, in a long time. I had seen it many, many years ago. Um, And um, I was um, absolutely taken by the artistry and also by the versatility of the the dancers. Usually you have a company, I just came from New York, and if you go to City Ballet, you expect to see Balanchine, and if you go to ABT, you you expect to see a certain style of of full length. But this company had it all, and I was, that was absolutely um, hands down. Um, If they were gonna have me, I was, you know, going to have them. (laughs) Thank you. And then you got to go on tour to Copenhagen, take, the ballet to to the world. What was that like and what was your impression of our company in that world arena? Well, one of the things that touring does is it bonds not only the company, the dancers, dancers to each other. It, it, it's, it's something unique that happens. And because I was new, it was an opportunity for me to actually bond really quickly with the company to see how we work. Um, and you're always under pressure when you're on tour. You can't just, you know, run backstage and get something. Um, you know, you have to improvise if something goes um, not quite as planned. So in that way, it was a, a quick bonding experience. The other really fascinating thing for me is that Helgi Thomason um, started his career in Denmark. And for, for me to see the warm reception um, that happened when we were there, where he started his career, um, was really um, quite uh, an experience. Uh, we got to meet the queen when we were there. Um, and um, my most favorite thing is when um, you're in a performance with 
the, the Queen of Denmark there, and she has a box, which is uh, right over there. Um, at the end of the show, um, you, you bow to the Queen and you bow to the audience. And so backstage, our stage manager was reminding our dancers, bow to the Queen, bow to the audience every single time. Um, and it was just such a joy. Um, and it was a celebration. And to see Romeo and Juliet, actually, I hadn't seen that work. And it was a work that not only did um, Helgi um, choreograph, but with a very famous um, uh, set designer uh, that was Danish. And uh, they had never seen his work before he passed away. So it was just so many experiences all in one really um, compressed time period. And you may not know, but Kelly is a former marathoner, <laughs> current marathoner. Uh, in, in hiatus at the moment. In hiatus. <laughs> but you also took some runs around Copenhagen. Yeah, so one of the things when, um, when the staff um, heard that I was uh, a, a runner, um, a marathon, and I started quite late in life, um, one of the things they asked when I joined is, can we start a run club? And actually, uh, we have a run club, and, and anybody shows up. Sometimes we have people from wardrobe, sometimes from production. I run development, marketing, education. Um, but when we went to uh, Copenhagen, we had many of us, and we decided to do one of our runs. So um, we saw the city from a totally different perspective. Awesome. And then, of course, gala. How many of you were at gala? Yes, super fun. And now here we are at the beginning of the rep season, and you saw Cinderella for the first time. That's right. What, what do you tell your friends and family about Cinderella and gala and what we do and how we do it? Well, one of the things about Cinderella, I'll just tell a, a personal um, thing about my story, is that my mother's uh, maiden name um, was Aschenbrenner. And when I was um, uh, learning German um, in grade school, because that was what my grandparents spoke, um, when we read uh, Cinderella um, in the version that I read, Aschenbrenner was the, the word uh, for Cinderella. So I always felt like I, you know, came from, you know, Cinderella lineage um, there. Um, but this production, what I, do, what I tell people, number one, is magical. It's a great entry into ballet. Uh, but the other thing that I, um, with this particular um, uh, production, is I think is so contemporary. It's contemporary because um, it shows the kind of bullying that happens, you know, around us and with the stepsisters. And, and it also shows how uh, Cinderella, my favorite scene I think is in... Um, is in the third act when she rises above everything and she finds the slipper and the slipper represents truth. And, and, and I just think that is just such a great, um, a great um, message for the young people of our time. I think the other thing I love about this production is uh, that nobody um, really has a role that you expect. The prince doesn't want to be a prince. You know, he wants to do all the wonderful things. And when they when they actually um, take a different um, a different character, um, that you see how people. Um, really are. I just think there's so many messages, and I just say it's not just a fairy tale. It's a tale, a tale of our times, and it'll resonate whether you are seeing it for the first time or you're seeing it for the 20th time. 
Thank you. So now a bit about you. What was your journey to San Francisco Ballet and why was this job interesting for you? So uh, my, my journey is really quite, um, I, I think it's a fairy tale a bit. Um, I didn't um, study ballet until I was uh, um, in a senior in high school. I always wanted to, and I never had the opportunity. And so when I did, I took classes and I became passionate. And when I went to university, I wasn't studying dance, but I was fortunate that the dance um, department was created by Ruth Anna Boris. And she was um, one of Balanchine's uh, principal dancers uh, with uh, Ballet de Russes Monte Carlo. And she was one of the first Americans that really made it as a star, as a Balanchine dancer. And so every morning I took class from 7.30 to 10.30 from Ruth Anna Boris, and I just fell in love with the art form. And um, I remember her saying the, that um, ballet is nothing but bloody feet, get a good education. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> um, but I did get a good ed education, and I had a work-study job for a small improvisational dance company. And that's where I learned there were actually uh, jobs that weren't a dancer, and when you, you you just don't realize that. So um, I went into the for-profit world, and then um, I was uh, kind of miserable. And I saw this job uh, posting, and it was for the symphony orchestra, but it was my same job, but in the arts. And so I applied for it. I got the job for half my salary. Mm -hmm. And um, and I did it. It was the best decision I made in my life because I was passionate. And for one reason or other, because I was good at the business side, and I started in um, the music side, my career went into orchestras and uh, opera. So I was the executive director for Seattle Opera for um, 11 years and um, really learned from some of the greatest um, uh, mentors. Uh, I also worked for the Cleveland Orchestra um, and uh, most recently I was in Canada where they had a ballet school, which I'm just passionate about education. So when I got the call about this job, I, I think I have said before, I had to kind of uh, say, does that 20-year-old self and that dream that I had uh, to work in ballet still exist? And it was a, a resounding, absolutely. And we're thrilled to have you. So full disclaimer, she's my boss. <laughs> and I learned from her. <laughs> so as you get to know your colleagues from ballet companies from around the country, what strikes you as something special that San Francisco Ballet has that perhaps others don't? And what do you think our challenges are that might be different from some of the other companies? So one thing, uh, Andy and I just came back from New York, and we were with uh, peers from 23 different um, companies. And then after, we were talking about um, equity and representation in the world of ballet. And then um, I got to have dinner uh, with many of my peers, other executive directors of the top um, ballet companies. One thing uh, I can say is that the world of uh, ballet is welcoming. And my colleagues, even though I'm new to the art form, uh, just opened arms and say, how can we help you be successful? So that is really unique. Um, 
The second thing I will say that uh, San Francisco being different is that um, it is this versatility, the ability to do tradition and contemporary at the same time. Um, Those of you who uh, attended the Unbound Festival, it's the one thing that I have heard the most about um, keeping in the creative mode while you celebrate the traditions. And um, that is really unique to San Francisco Ballet. Um, One of the things I'll say is our biggest challenge, uh, as I see it, is affordability and accessibility of the art form. Uh, And because that is a San Francisco uh, issue, whether it's affordability to live in the city or out of the city, that creates obstacles and barriers. And so I think you'll see us really starting to innovate on how do we take away those barriers to people who aren't finding a way in because they're our future audience. Thanks. Um, My last question before we go to the audience is, what do you do to have fun? And what do you most like about living in San Francisco? Well, I think um, my husband um, is a a just recently rewired uh, culinary instructor. Um, And so uh, we like to go and eat good food. But that, you know, kind of explains why I'm also a runner um, so that I can, you know, eat good food. Um, I also love yoga. Um, That's something that really these jobs are really demanding. And part of, part of what um, somebody has to do to be a great leader is to have a way to have, be clear-minded. And so yoga is something I love. Um, I love to walk. So um, I walk everywhere if I can. Um, and because I think you see the, the, the good and the bad of a city um, by being on your feet. And I think that the one thing that you may not know is uh, when I have an opportunity to be creative, uh, I like to write. So uh, really um, write and read. I think you become a great writer by reading. Um, So that is one of my passions. And then I think I would say the other thing I do for fun is, um, and this is becoming a a, a cool thing again, but uh, my grandmother taught me how to crochet and knit, and I'm an avid knitter because it makes me feel like I'm doing something even when I'm just kind of uh, relaxing. Thank you. Now, I think we'll go to audience questions. Who has a question? The question is, on an average day, what do you actually do? So, on an average day, I would say uh, I have a lot of meetings. So, if you can think about a ballet company, we have to balance what we're doing in education and training with what we are doing to make sure that we the revenues are coming in, whether it's ticket sales or whether it's fundraising. And so, I have six great um, uh, t- a team of six great people, and so I spread uh, meetings with each one of them every week. We meet because I think it's important to. Uh, have regular conversations. So we meet to talk about how are we moving things forward. Um, When I get the chance, I will peek into a studio where there's a a rehearsal, especially if it's a new work um, that um, I haven't seen, just to get a sense of what it looks like and feels like. Um, I spend a lot of time with spreadsheets, uh, just because that is a part of our world. Um, 
I have a board of 52 members, and um, they are volunteers, but they are stewarding um, what we do. So I spend a lot of time um, asking questions, getting advice. Um, We are at the... um, beginning of a five-year long-range planning um, cycle. So the most of my time since I've been here has been learning about what's important to us um, and figuring out what that looks like in an arc over the next five years. So, um, and every once in a while, I have to say, uh, the chair of my board, they, 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 um, they donated an espresso machine. So um, I, ha- I opened my office and the uh, conference room, and every once in a while I do these surprise, um, come and um, let's chat, and the staff can come in, and I'm their barista, and I make them coffee or tea. So we do that a little bit too. <laughs> Thank you. Who else? Back there. Could you stand up, please? What mechanisms are you considering to make or help the ballet be more accessible, in particular to young people? So my experience have been, has been in classical music is uh, it, it's not that they don't understand it once they come in, and whether it's traditional or contemporary, it's getting a way in. So right now is really finding out how do we uh, lower the barrier if, if it's price. So we, we've started to think about... Um, who could subsidize um, different programs? So uh, we have family um, programs and family pricing. Um, also, we have an event that's happening on February 25th. It's called Sensorium. And it's really um, structured to get that young adult um, audience, that uh, 21 through 30 audience that somehow they just disappear um, at a certain age. And it's, um, it, it's very interactive, and we do a lot of things that we don't usually do, and we've lowered the price as well. Uh, the other thing that we are starting to talk about is we have some barriers of how do we represent ourselves digitally. When we're not performing, it's as if we don't exist for many, um, many demographics, especially the younger audience. And so working with our unions and our dancers to say, how do we have more of a digital presence so that we can show the art of ballet um, and what's the behind the scenes when we're not on stage? But um, a whole realm of um, activities, we know two things, is people do not become an audience member, number one, if they haven't um, been taken to a ballet, and the other thing is if they haven't um, studied ballet. So uh, Andy and I have had lots of conversations about how do we get in more places so um, children can um, start their journey with um, ballet through pre-ballet and level one through three? And where should that be in, our, in, in the Bay Area? Um, having it in one location is limiting. Thanks. Another question, anyone from over on this side? When you were here for the interview process, which ballets did you see? So I saw Little Mermaid, um, and then I also saw the Bjork Ballet, and um, I think it was the uh, Torten uh, Insel that was with that. Um, so I saw two really different experiences, a full length and also um, a mixed rep. 
So the question is, noticing that there are quite a few dancers in our company who've trained in our school, certainly apprentices, core, soloists, and then um, your observation is that there are fewer at the principal ranks. So I'm going to actually turn part of that question over to my colleague, Andy, because she is um, co-leader of our school, which is a big example why we have representation, and I'm going to have her talk about that. At the level of San Francisco Ballet, when you get to the principal um, level, we are in competition with the top ballet companies in the world. So um, part of what you see on the principal um, is um, it is a competitive pro uh, process. So uh, many people come through the companies and leave the company and actually come back. So just to give you an example, Misa, uh, who's one of our newest principals, actually studied at the school, um, went away and and um, danced with other companies and then um, uh, developed her, um, her aesthetic and um, now she's with us again. But um, Andy is an expert of how we bring people up through the company. So one of the things that's really important to school director Patrick Armand is assuring that the training in San Francisco Ballet School is in alignment with the needs of our company and other companies around the world. So um, the first step is to come in as an apprentice, and then as, um, as Helgi is, is developing what he, his needs are for the company, he has a lot of things to think about um, beyond uh, just raw technique and the experience that's needed to be a principal dancers. So over the last few years, we have seen uh, several um, students, former students of our school, move through the ranks to the, to the principal status. So I don't know if you'll see more of that. That is Mr. Thomason's um, uh, decision, but we're very proud that 65% of the company has trained in our school. And just one other thing on that. Um, one of the things I learned uh, just in the short time I was here is when you do have openings at the principal level and when you also are pairing dancers uh, together, you re there really is a lot that comes to, to mind when, when um, you may have a tall principal a female in order to, um, to uh, balance that you need a, a tall principal male. So when you do have openings, um, it depends on what openings and how that's going to work with the rest of the company. So it's not just a singular decision. It's really the whole company. I think we have time for one more quick question, if there is one. Oh, he can't remember. Another time. So I want to thank all of you for being here. What a great audience for the Meet the Artist interview today. And thank you, Kelly. And uh, you'll be seeing Kelly uh, out and about at performances and representing San Francisco Ballet. So thank you very much. And just, I, I want to say, if you see this little bling that uh, Andy and I have on, um, it, it's um, we were doing an event uh, earlier this morning at Neiman Marcus. Um, 
bringing new families into Cinderella. So it's our little Cinderella bling. So enjoy the show. <laughs> Thanks for listening to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist podcast. For more podcasts and other audience engagement programs, check out sfballet.org or your favorite podcast player.